Hello, welcome to Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church podcast, Faith in the Word. Here, Pastor Cecil Holloway is bringing you all the spiritual teachings within God's Word. We hope you enjoy. Please share with a friend. And like always, God bless you. Before we get started, um, Hall family, we would like to thank you for that card y'all sent to us. Yes, that was really a blessing to us and to the church and to the family. So thank you again yes. for your kindness there. Praise God. And I see that uh, y'all dragged Sister Rachel out. <laughs> Glad to say we missed you last week. <laughs> oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Glad to have y'all here tonight. And the rest of the regular folks, amen. One out of two ain't bad. Say again. One out of two ain't bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just like that. Uh, Mr. Yes. Sister Lucanne Thornton. She's headed back to Z Hospital, and uh, they're running tests to see what's going on with her. But oh, okay. They oh, don't wow. know it yet. All right. Definitely, sure will. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight. You are such a gracious God, a loving Father. You've been so good to us and kind to us. And Father, we thank you for being in this place tonight where your spirit is, where your anointing is, where your power is. Enlighten our eyes of understanding when it comes to the word tonight. Father, we lift up Sister Luzanne right now. You know what is going on with her. But, Lord, we declare and decree that by your stripes she is healed. That the healing virtue power will go into her physical body right now. She is one of your daughters, and she loves you dearly, Father. So, Father, we just stand on it. We touch and agree and believe that we have received the healing virtue power of her body. And she'll get a good report from the doctor. She'll come out with the glory of God in her body. So we thank you and we praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Um. Go to Revelation chapter 4. What I want to teach on, I haven't taught on this in years. And um, the Lord quickened my spirit to teach on this again. I want to teach on the seven spirits of God. Uh, I titled this message years ago, The Seven Facets of the Anointing. And then I changed it for tonight, the seven functions of the anointing of the Spirit of God. So I'm going to do a series of teaching on the seven functions of the anointing or the seven spirits of God. And um, we'll start at uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. 
And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show these things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sawdust stone. And there was a rainbow, that's covenant, round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightning and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God which are the seven spirits of God. Now, it doesn't mean that there are seven entities of God. We, we talk about the seven spirits of God. It's talking about the anointing of God, the power of God. And the anointing uh, comes from the Holy Spirit. Uh, salvation is a free gift. The only thing we have to do is believe and receive it. And uh, we're born again. We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. And then we're born again. But when it comes to the anointing of God or the power of God, it would just like salvation, it takes faith, but it also takes faith and works and how to understand and how to move and do this anointing of God and this power of God to come upon our lives. Um, go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 4, and drop, put your eyes on uh, verse 17. Uh, well, no, let's go to verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, he being Jesus, uh, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for it to read. He stood up and he read from the book of Isaiah 61. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So he opened the book of the prophet Isaiah and he found the place it was written to to launch or to start his earthly ministry. OK, and it says that he found the place. And in verse 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of God, the anointing of God is upon me, Jesus said here. 
Because we have to keep in mind, you know, religion has done us a disservice when it comes to understanding Jesus. Jesus was very much God, but when he walked the earth realm in his his earthly ministry, he did not walk as God. And it's hard, sometimes hard to fathom because we, you know, we have through religion, we have all these images and pictures and ideology of Jesus. But when he walked the earth realm, he did not walk as God, even though he was very much God. But he walked, he did his earthly ministry as a prophet of God that was anointed by God. Okay, he walked as a mere man. Whenever you see in the New Testament, he talks about the Son of Man, he's talking about the, the humanity of Jesus. The, the carnal part of Jesus, the man part of Jesus. So he was. That's why we have no excuse why we can't live this Christian life, because Jesus has already demonstrated to us how to do it. Amen. He did not. Now, if you know, if he walked as God, then we can say, wait a minute, no, well, we can't do that because you're God. We're not God. But he did not walk as God. He walked as a man that was anointed by God. And we see here, he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord of the year of Jubilee. So he says that the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. All right. And once we become born again and we learn about faith and how to live our lives on faith, then the next thing we ought to seek from God is what 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 has God anointed us to do? All right. There are certain anointings or certain things uh, of the will of God in the kingdom of God that God has called us to do. And that's when we need to seek God and to find out what has God anointed us to do. Now, that word uh, anoint or anointing, it comes from a Hebrew word, Messiah. That's from a Greek word, Christ. Translated in English is the anointed one and his anointing. So it says Jesus Christ. So the correct way to say that is Jesus, the anointed one, his anointed. It's not Jesus. It's not his last name. He's not Mr. Christ. <laughs> he is Jesus, the anointed one and his anointing. The spirit of the Lord is upon him. All right. The power of God is upon him. Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 10. Book of Isaiah chapter 10. A lot of Christians don't know about the anointing. All right. They just get saved and then that's it. But we take our faith and we go another we go another walk and we go another level with God. And this is called the anointing. And the anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. 
All right. The Holy Spirit is the one who anoints us. All right. But there are some qualifications. Lack of better word I could say the qualifications that we have to meet when it comes to walking in the anointing. Okay, like I said, salvation is free. You just receive it by faith. But to walk in the anointing, you you there's some qualifications or uh, there's some prerequisites that you have to to meet first to walk in this anointing of God that He has for your life. Isaiah chapter ten. Are you there? Verse 27. And it it should come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing of the power of God. So what is the anointing? The anointing is burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. Uh, the anointing shall remove burdens and destroy yokes in our lives. But we have to learn or understand how to move in the anointing so that the spirit of God can come upon our lives and to remove burdens and to destroy yokes. So the anointing is a burden removing Yoke destroying power, God. It's the it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, go to Colossians chapter one. Remember, Christ is not Jesus's last name. He's not Mister Christ. He's Jesus, the Anointed One, and His anoint His anointing. The Spirit of God had anointed Jesus. All right? Colossians chapter 1. Colossians. Somebody said, well, what is Colossians? Well, a good way to remember. Uh, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right? Go eat popcorn. So that's a good way to remember where Colossians is. Colossians chapter 1. So Christ, the word Christ is Christos. It means the anointed one and his anointing. Okay? It's the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. That's Christ. It's the anointing of God. It's the power of God. All right? Jesus was anointed to remove burdens. And to destroy yokes. Now remember, everything that we do in the kingdom of God, we do it by faith. We have to release our faith and believe and receive it. Our part is release our faith. God's part is he will work the power in our life. All right, so long long I release my faith, then God will do his part as long as we do our part. And our, our part is the faith part. To believe it and to receive it. And to line up with that is to, to declare and then to decree it through our mouths, words. Now, Colossians chapter 1, Apostle Paul writing to the church of Colossae. Put your eyes on verse 25. He says, whereof I am made a minister 
according to the dispensation of God or the time period of God, we are in the dispensation of grace, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mysteries which I have been which have been hid for ages and from generation, but now is manifest to his saints. Paul said there's a mystery which has been hidden for ages and from generations. But now this mystery of God has been manifest to the saints or to the believers. Look at verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is, now this is the mystery, he's getting ready to reveal to us what is this mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations. All right, and now it has been revealed to the Gentiles. All right, he says, which is Christ. Now, what's the definition of Christ? The anointed one and his anointing, the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. All right, this is a mystery. That has been hidden. Now it's being revealed. That now when you became born again. Uh-huh. The anointing of God. Not only comes on you. But look what Paul says here. Which is Christ in you. The anointing is in us. It's in our spirit. Yeah. All right. This is a mystery. Paul said, I'm revealing it to you, that the anointing of God is in your spirit, is in you, the hope of glory. So the power of God is inside of us. The power of God, the anointing of God is inside of us, just as just how how the kingdom of God is inside of us. All right. Now, where, where, where the challenge has been. A lot of Christians are not aware, aware of this, but when they do get, when they do become uh, enlightened or introduced to this, the challenge is, is to get that anointing that is inside of us to come upon us and to come upon our circumstances and situation because the anointing, the Christ that is in you, that's where the burden removing, yoke destroying power is. The power is in the anointing, yeah. is in Christ. But and that power is inside of us. Yeah. Now, we have to learn how to get that anointing that is inside of us, out of us, and upon us. All right? And this is what this teaching is going to teach us. It's going to teach us how to get this power that is inside of us, out of us, and upon us. And so how do we get this anointing that is inside of us, out of us, and upon us? We get it done by the seven spirits of God. By the seven spirits of God. And so we have to learn. So in this series of teaching, I'm going to cover uh, each Thursday, each, every one of the seven spirits of God. Because by the seven spirits of God... It will get the anointing that is inside of our spirit, out of our spirit, and upon our life, upon our physical bodies, 
upon our finances, upon our relationships, upon our businesses, whatever. We can get the anointing of God that is inside of us to come upon us. And we do that by understanding the seven spirits of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So Paul said, which Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now let's uh, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 11. Now in Revelation chapter 4, we just read about the seven spirits of God. And it is the seven spirits of God that will get the anointing that is inside of us, out of us, and upon us. And now we get into the seven facets or the seven functions of the anointing. Remember, the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. All right? Keep in mind, you got to remember something. Uh, The nature of God is that he has given mankind authority in the earth realm. That's why God cannot just come down and just do certain certain things unless he is invited. Because he has given man the authority in the earth realm. And for you to exercise your authority in this earth realm, you need one of these physical bodies. That was the whole reason why Jesus had to be born through the womb of a virgin to come in in the flesh. See, Jesus, his his fleshly body is called Jesus. His spirit, his power is called Christ. All right. So he had to be born through the womb of a woman. All right. Without sin. That's why Mary could not consummate her relationship with Joseph because if Jesus came that route then he would have been a sinner like we are we were born into sin shaping into iniquity uh, King David said in the Psalms but he had to he had to come into the earth realm and to get an earth suit but he had to he had to keep his DNA as of God strong So that's why the scripture said that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary through the seed of God's word and she became impregnated with the Messiah. So Jesus needed an earth suit. He needed a physical body to exercise authority in this earth realm. You need a physical body. God is not just going to haphazardly come down and just intervene. Unless he is invited, unless he is welcome. And so he so Jesus is already commissioned. He has ordained the church. We are the representatives of the kingdom of God. So we as the church, as the born again believers of the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus, and we have physical bodies. That means we have a right, a legal right to execute authority in earth realm. So that means that we as believers, we can invite God at any time to come into the earth realm to take care of situations, circumstances in our life. But 
we fail to forget. A lot of Christians don't realize that Christianity is warfare. We are in a warfare because we, through our culture and through our Western culture, uh, our Western culture has um, used spiritual things or demonic things as entertainment. So you go to parts of the places like Africa and stuff, they're very aware of spiritual activities. But in our Western culture, spiritual things and demonic things has been used as, as a form of entertainment. Okay, We laugh at certain demonic activities in movies and, and stuff like that. And we have used uh, things that, uh, that is hindering the authority that we have in the earth realm through our Western culture and our Western mindset, we look at it as, as entertainment because we fail to realize as Christians that we are in a warfare and we have an adversary and his name is Lucifer. And he's been practicing his demonic activity for 6,000 years. He's good at it. So he knows that the power that we as the church has and as believers. And so since he, he he's right, I mean, because he once was called the anointed cherub. He was the anointed, look at that, anointed. He was a burden-removing, yoke-destroying power angel in heaven. He conducted the praise and worship in heaven. He knows the heart of God. He knows what moves God's heart. He knows how to how to usher in the presence of God, how to manifest the anointing. So since he is a fallen angel, or I like to call him an unemployed cherub, he knows about this. So since he knows more about spiritual things than us average Christians do, then of course he's going to do certain things to hinder our authority as believers in the earth realm. And so that's why we don't see a lot of burden removing, yoke destroying power of God in the earth realm. We see a lot of calamity, sadness, death, all that. And then, then people will ask questions. If there's such a God, if there's really a God, then why don't he do something about that? Well, God is a God of order. Everything is set up in order in the kingdom of God. He has given man a free will because he does not want man to come to him or to serve him as a robot or someone who's programmed. He wants man to come to him. And when I say man, I'm talking about one man too, okay? And we talk about he wants man to come to him out of his own free will. Because God has given us a free will. And the Godhead was very aware of that by giving man this free will, it's a great, it's a good possibility that he can use his free will against God. They knew this. But still God wanted to give us a free will. He wanted us to come to him out of our own free will. 
All right. So to get God to move in the earth realm to take care of things. And he, he does everything legally in the realm of the spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. He has given us the authority to do that. So if I was the devil and I know that, <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure they don't know their authority. Keep them away from the knowledge of their authority. And I will get them distracted on things that are very trivial instead of things that are important to the kingdom of God. So, like I said, Lucifer has been practicing for 6,000 years. And Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. He, Satan works the same stuff over and over and over. And for some reason, I'm not talking about the world because the world, they lost. All right. I'm talking about the church. It seems like we still don't get it. And the devil, he plays the same thing over and over on us again. For example, to stop the anointing, uh, Psalms 133 says, How good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the oil poured down from Aaron's head down to his beard, to the, to the garment, to the skirt. That's the anointing of God, the power of God. So the devil knows that unity will really manifest strongly the anointing of God. So if I was the devil, and I know that, Guess what? I'm going to get the body of Christ in, in disunity. So I'm going to run this same old trick every time. That's why racism always pops his head up. It's the same little trick the devil runs every day. And we as believers, we fall for this thing all the time and not realizing racism ain't nothing but the spirit of division. All right. Because Jesus said a house divided cannot stand. All right. So the devil keep running these same old tricks. All right. On the body of Christ. And we get so divided. We get angry at each other because he's running these same little scandals and not realizing that he is causing us not to execute our authority in the earth's realm so the anointing of God can come and remove burdens and destroy yours. So we fall for the same thing. And either racism and division, not only between black and white, but even to our own culture. Each, cult, each culture has some type of division. Somebody's divided against somebody. And it ain't nothing but a trick of the devil. And with some reason, it's just we don't get it. It's like, duh. When we gonna wake up and see what the what the trick of the devil is, and why is he doing that? Because he's stopping us for executing our authority, inviting God in to stop him. That's what the main is just to stop the devil. So he keeps using these same little tricks to get us off from the word of God. All right. And as I, I believe is a time we're in a time now. All this is, is ceasing. It's, it's going to be stopped because the devil keep using the same little tactics 
over and over and over. And we keep falling for it. And then we wonder why no bird removing, yoke destroying power of God is in the earth realm. Why lives are not being saved. Why people are not being saved. Why people are not getting healed. Why people are not getting delivered. Why people are not walking in love. Because the devil is using these same devices. Paul, Apostle Paul said, I have you not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. But as the church, we are very ignorant of Satan's devices. Because a lot of churches that we go to, that we attend, they are not teaching the word of God. They are teaching more of the things of the world. They are teaching feminism. They teach it. Uh, LGBT stuff. They teaching uh, civil rights stuff. They teaching stuff that it doesn't affect the kingdom of God. Doesn't affect the anointing. So we are not we are not coming into the awareness of the kingdom of God and what's God? What's that God's heart? Because we're being we're being preached to uh, Republican stuff. Democrat stuff and all that. Now, none of that stuff has to do with God. And so that's why we cannot execute our authority the way God wants us to, because the devil has us focused on stuff that has no relevancy at all in the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? How did that went over well in this Methodist church? Oh, amen. So it's time out. I think we need to start seeking God. We need to start wholeheartedly seeking after the anointing because the anointing is inside of us. And we have to learn how to get the anointing that is inside of us out of us. Anointing on my marriage, anointing on my loving my children, my grandchildren. There's an anointing for that. We're going to learn all that in this teaching. There's an anointing for my ministry. There's anointing for loving my neighbors. There's different types of anointings that God has placed inside of us that we need to get out of us and upon us to see the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. Amen. Have you found Isaiah 11? Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Verse 3, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove at the hearing of his ears. So right here we see what is called the seven spirits or the seven functions of the anointing. The seven spirits or the seven functions of the anointing. They are, number one, the spirit of the Lord. Number two, the spirit of knowledge. Number three, the spirit of understanding. Number four, the spirit of counsel. 
Number five, the spirit of wisdom. Number six, the spirit of might. M-I-G-H-T, might. And then the seventh one is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. These are what is called the seven spirits of God or the seven facets of the anointing or the seven functions of the anointing. And what we're going to do each, each week, we're going to take one, each one of these seven, we're going to go over each one, and we're going to learn from the word of God how each one of these seven spirits function and operate and how we can get those anointing working in our lives. Okay, so this week, we're going to deal with the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord. Now, now keep in mind, we're talking about the anointing. And the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying, the power of God. So these are the seven spirits of God. And each spirit or each anointing of God, when we learn about it and you release our faith and how to operate in it, it will remove burdens and destroy yokes in our lives. So this week we're going to talk about the Spirit of the Lord. What is the Spirit of the Lord? The Spirit of the Lord is the authority of God that enables you to operate under the anointing of the other six spirits of God. I'll say it again. It is the, it is the authority of God. So when we hear about the Spirit of the Lord, I want you to think of God's authority. His authority. The Spirit of the Lord is the authority of God that enables us to operate under the anointing of the other six spirits of God. So it is God's authority that will enable us to operate under the other six spirits. Spirits of God. There are 31 references in the word of God pertaining to the spirit of the Lord. Let's go to Judges 3 and 10. Judges. Don't get in Judges a lot. That's a good, that's a good book. Judges chapter 3. Judges is right after Joshua. Judges chapter 3. Let's go to let's go to verse 9. Then we go to verse 10. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel. Who delivered him, even Othanel, the son of Kazanai, Caleb's younger brother. Now look at verse 10. He's talking about Othanel. And the Spirit of the Lord. Okay, that's that anointing. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, just like in Luke 4 18, when Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is what? Is upon me. Okay? So that Spirit of God. 
It is in us. The spirit of the Lord is in us. The authority of God is in us. So it can come upon us. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Kirshan, Kirshite king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Kirshanite, whatever. They had some strange names back in the Old Testament, I tell you. You need a, not only a dictionary, but you need a thesaurus and everything to try to figure out those names. So now we see on the now how the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord. You will see that whenever the Spirit of the Lord came upon anyone, they moved in the authority of God. Just like Anthony, hey, when the Spirit of the Lord came, he came, he moved in the authority. He judged Israel. The authority of God, he moved in God's authority. Not his authority, but God's authority. When Anthony was raised up by God, Israel won the victory. He was authorized by God to bring the victory into their lives. So when that spirit of the Lord, that authority that comes, that's inside of you, that comes upon you, it will cause you to become victorious. That's a, that's a burden removing yoke destroying. You become victorious. Victorious in your finances. Victorious in your relationship. Victorious, victorious in your body. So in Luke uh, 4.18, Jesus said that the spirit of the Lord, look how he started off. He says the spirit of the Lord, the authority of God is upon me. Okay. Jesus was not authorized by the spirit of the Lord to begin his earthly ministry that would eventually end after he had gone to the cross, fulfilled the will of the Father and ascended to heaven. You should know that even though Jesus was the only begotten of the Father, he did not begin his ministry until after the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him. Now, go to Matthew chapter 4. Because remember I told you when it comes to the anointing, you have to be qualified. To walk in the anointing. You can choose, you can choose to or not to walk in the anointing. I mean, it's not going to be pleasing to the Father if you choose not to, but we have to learn there are certain things that we have to qualify ourselves or uh, prerequisites that we have to do to walk in the anointing. So before Jesus um, started his earthly ministry. He had to be qualified to have the spirit of the Lord upon him. And we see here in Matthew chapter four. So whenever you start walking in the anointing of God in your life by faith, you will have. Best way I can put it, you will have a test you will have to pass. Every anointing that comes your way that you start walking in, you're going to have to take a test. All right? It's just uh, a lot of Christians don't know that love is 
and anointed. The, the God kind of the agape love. So, you know, you say, hey, I, I, I want to, this, this is, because remember, anointing is burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. So love, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. Look, what a powerful statement. Love never fails. The agape love, that's an anointing of God, agape love. So, you, so, so for you to, before you can walk into that type of agape love, you're going to have to take a test. So that means, so you say, hey, I want to walk in that agape love of God. Well, to walk in that agape love of God, the word of God says that love worketh no ill to his brother. So you're gonna have you're gonna have to take a test. So that means you're gonna be tested to, to walk in the agape love of God. You're not going to be tested. The test is not going to come to you by somebody you love. <laughs> the test is not going to come to you that somebody you like. The test is going to come to you based on a natural standpoint of somebody that you like, nah, I just can't see it. Because that's how the test goes. Because when you when you say to God, Lord, I want to walk into your agape love, you're gonna be tested that you're gonna love folks that you don't like. Keep wait a minute, keep your finger here. Y'all just working with me tonight. Go to Acts. Acts chapter 1. <laughs> Walking in the anointing of agape love, it has the same test that you have to take in walking in witnessing for Christ. Excuse me, you're going to have to take this test. Look at uh, Acts chapter 1. Excuse me. Verse 7. He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father had put in his own power, put in his own anointing. But look at verse 8. But he shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and then ye shall be witnesses. You shall be a witness. So he said, you're going to receive this anointing. Remember, the anointing comes from the Holy Ghost. That's power of God. He says, look at it. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. All right. You shall be witnesses. So for you to be a witness for the kingdom of God, it works on the same premise as walking in the gospel. Look at this. Look at the test you have to take. Unto me, both in Jerusalem. Jerusalem first is your home. You're going to have to pass the test of being a witness to your spouse and to your children. Okay? You got to pass that test. If you want to walk in this anointing of being a witness, it starts off 
and starts in the home. How would that look that I get up here every Sunday and every Thursday and teach and everything, and everything I preach and teach, my wife sits out there and look and say, he don't live, don't do nothing. How would I be an effective witness? Okay? So, in starting off in ministry, and ministering the gospel, it started, I had to be a witness before my wife and for my children. Now, you can talk to any of my grown children. We got six kids, five boys, one girl. You can talk to any of my grown, our grown children. They can tell you that daddy is doing the same thing that he did when we were children. He pumps the word at the house. They used to tell uh, our granddaughter, our kids used to tell when we go on fast and uh, TV, they used to say, Nene, don't feel bad. We went through the same thing too. You know, they used to tell her that. That was a witness, that was a test that I had to pass. So all my grandchildren, all my grown children, even some of my grandchildren that older, they could tell, he's doing the same thing. He's still pumping the word. They still going fast, seek God. It was a way, that's a test you're going to have to pass. All right? Then look at this. Look at the, ne the next test. Both in Jerusalem and all Judea, that's your neighbors. So you can't go and say, I love Jesus, and then you cussing your neighbors out. <laughs> blank, 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 blank. Get that dog out of here. And then now you want to witness to them. That you love Jesus, you just failed the test. That's another, so by failing that test, there's no burden removing yoke destroying. Mm How? -hmm. Okay? Then you said, look at this. Jerusalem, Judea, and then now this is the part. <laughs> this, this is the part. This is the test I'm talking about walking in love. And in Samaria, and unto, and unto the other parts of the world, which is the world, Samaria, Samaria is, now you got to be, be a witness that people don't look like you, don't think like you, don't smell like you, don't look nothing like you. Now i got to be a witness to them. They, they are not from your political background. They not from your social economical status. They don't have the same color you got. They don't have the same eyes you got. They don't have the same house you got. If you want to be a witness for the kingdom of God, you're going to have to pass that test of Samaritans. The Samaritans, the Jews, hated the Samaritans because they were half-breed. They were mixed with Jews and other stuff. And so, so... To travel one part of Israel to, to get to Jerusalem, they would have to go through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. The Jews hated the Samaritans so much, they would go 40 miles out of the way so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. That's why Jesus, remember that Jesus gave the teaching about the good Samaritan? So to pass the test, 
If you say, I want to be a witness for Christ, Lord, I want to, I want to be used as a witness. I want to walk in your love. You're going to have to pass to Jerusalem, the Judea, and the Samaritans. And then to the uttermost parts of the world. So when it comes to the, that is the type of anointing, that's burden removing yoke to short. That is getting God involved in people's circumstances and situations. That I'm willing, I got, I'm willing to pass that test so I can walk in that anointing, so God can come in and heal bodies, deliver people. Second, because I made a decision, I'm going to pass that test. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go to Matthew 4. Are y'all okay? Are y'all looking like this? I need to take a nap or something. Yeah. We need to take a break or something. <laughs> <laughs> Let the kids. It's time to take a nap, kids. Okay, let's go back to Matthew chapter 4. Ooh, glory. Hallelujah. So, Matthew chapter 4. So, Jesus, before, before he got to Luke 4, 17, 18, he had to pass a test. Look at this. The Son of God had to pass a test. Because he did not operate as the Son of God. He operated as the Son of Man that was, uh, that was anointed. So he had to pass the test. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up out of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, 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 tested, or tried of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungry. So he was on a fast for 40 days and 40 nights. This This was a supernatural fast. And so as he came out of that fast, and he was hungry. Look at verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Look at the first test. He said, If you be the Son of God, you will change these stones into bread. Okay? The flesh test, the hunger, the, 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 the appetite of the flesh. Jesus was tested. Look at verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So whenever we are faced with a test that precedes us before walking in a particular anointing, this is how you pass the test every time. Give the devil the word. Amen. Give him the word. So when, when, the, when the devil come and test you, mm-hmm. you give him the word. So you want to walk in the anointing of love, a godly love, and you get it tested. You're being tested with somebody who don't look like you, don't think like you, don't smell like you. <laughs> the devil tell you, give him the word. You tell him, hey, the word of God says, how can I love a God who I don't see 
and I hate my brethren who I do see. I'm going to love my brethren. My love for my brethren is not based on conditions, but my love for my brethren based on the word of God. Amen. Give, give the devil the word. Yes. All right? Don't try to don't try to reason with the devil. You can't reason. You cannot reason with Lucifer. Why is that? He been practicing six thousand years. He only been here for about what thirty, forty years. He got six thousand years of practice. You give him the word like Jesus did. Then look at verse five. Then the devil taking him up into the holy city, setting him on a pinnacle of the temple. And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He should give his angel charge concerning thee, and in thy hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Now he's trying to get Jesus to commit suicide. This is a test. Child of God, let me put it this way. The greater the anointing you want to walk in, the greater the test is going to be. The greater the anointing, the greater the test. Now look at verse 7. Jesus said to him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Look at verse 8. Again the devil take him up into the exceeding high mountain and show him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. He said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. He said, you see all the kingdoms and the glory, the wealth of the world? He said, I'll give it all to you, Jesus. You just fall down and worship me. A lot of Christians fail that test when it comes to wealth and the glory of the world. Because you're going to get tested. And if you pass the test, you'll be able to walk strongly in that particular anointing. And look what Jesus said in verse 10. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. And then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Then after that, that's when Jesus went into the synagogue, Luke 4, opened the book of Isaiah 61, and found his place in there. He said, now the spirit of the Lord has anointed me with authority. Why is that? Because I passed the test. Jesus passed it off of a 40-day pass. He passed the test. He's now, he said, now the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus had authority from that day forward over demons, which he, he came in contact. He had authority over wind and waves to calm them. He had authority over loaves of bread and fish to multiply them. He had authority over water to turn them into wine. Look at Jesus exercising his authority. He had authority over sickness to make it depart and authority over death to make it release Lazarus to life. He had all that authority. And that is, that is where God wants the body of Christ to have that authority. Yes. 
but we have to pass certain tests and we keep failing the test. And what's so sad about the test that we keep failing? It's an open book test. And we keep failing it. The devil keep running the same stuff. And the Lord said, when y'all going to pass this test so that I can work through you and I can save people, deliver people, heal people. But every time we're faced with a test, we keep failing the test. So the Spirit of the Lord will give you authority to fulfill calling the position which God has called you to operate. This is why it is pointless to try to move in a gift or a calling that God has not ordained. How you know when God wants to move you in a certain gifts or a calling, there will be a test before that, before you move into it. There will be a test. We have seen the lives of those who, in the Old Testament who move in the authority of God. They have done so after the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson when he took the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand Philistines. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And it, it came upon, and you, 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 what, what will quench the anointing that is upon your life if you stay in willful purpose sin? Samson's, Samson's story was, was tragic. I mean, he was, and he was crazy about that. The, the, the woman told him, I want to kill you. But he kept, laying, he kept lying with Delilah. And he played, these, he played these games with her. Because Samson had a, he had a, uh, uh, a spoilness about him from his parents. So he, Sam, you know, Samson was anointed, but Samson thought he was the stuff. So he played games with these Philistine women until he ran into Delilah. And Delilah said, tell, tell me where your strength lies. And he said, oh, my strength uh, lies uh, uh, in my sword. And when she said, okay, she told him, the Philistines come and they try to kill Samson knew the woman was trying to kill him. But he didn't, he didn't worry about that. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But if you stay in willful, purpose sin, there will be a day that you'll try to rise up in your anointing and won't be there. How was Delilah able to convince Samson, Samson to tell the truth? Because she knew what he needed. Samson needed comfort. That's why you see a lot. That's why you see a lot of pastors and preachers. They fall. They they are anointed to do certain things, but they are not. When when it comes to the anointing of God, you're going to have to protect that anointing because the enemy wants to come in and willfully and purposely to get you into sin. And when you get in sin, one day you'll shake yourself, and the anointing's not going to be there. Now you become natural. And how that happened, that Delilah 
knew how to comfort Samson. She comforted him. Until eventually he told her where his strength lies. And even though he was bound by those columns, he repented unto God. They burned his eyes out so he couldn't see. But he repented unto God. That let that spirit of the Lord come on me for this last time. Because what's the purpose of the anointing? To remove burdens and to destroy yoke, to destroy the enemy and you're working in your life. And the Philistines were an enemy to the children of Israel. And Samson repented for this last said, Lord, let your grace follow me one more time to destroy these Philistines. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Samson. And he destroyed Philistine. All right. I'm going to finish the rest next week in the spirit of the Lord. Did y'all get something out of this tonight? Hallelujah. We'll pick back up next week. I got more to finish on the spirit of the Lord. But it's an anointing. That anointing is inside of you. It's inside of me. If you're born again, that spirit of the Lord is inside of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any questions, comments, revelation?